Hello friends, this is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus. We're so glad that you have joined us today. We pray that you're having a good week. But even if you're having one of the worst weeks of your life, we want you to know that God loves you today. He knows you by name today. Jesus is that good shepherd. He knows his sheep and calls them by name. You are not a number to God. You're a number to many, many organizations and situations. But in the kingdom of God, you are not a number. You have a name that he knows and he knows you personally and intimately. The scripture says that the very hairs of your head are numbered and the Father knows the count of them. That's more intimately than anyone in this world knows you. And he loves you and he cares for you. That's why we can actually cast our care upon him. First Peter 5 and verse 7 says, casting all of your care upon the Lord for he cares for you. I like the Amplified. It says, casting all of your care, the whole of your anxieties, once and for all upon him for he cares for you and watches over you affectionately praise god he loves you that's why that he listens when you cry to him when you call upon him today well i don't know why i started that way that's not primarily our message today we're talking about the living the new life in jesus christ living in the new newness of life if you're a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, this teaching is to let you know that there can be a new life for you. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can't just start doing Christian things and godly things without being given this life and letting what's in you begin to come out into your life in a very powerful, personal, practical way. Amen. So please stay tuned if you're not a Christian today. Many people think I can't become a Christian because I can't live the Christian life. And there's a partial truth in that. I can't live the Christian life in and of myself because of my weak flesh, my inability to to overcome supernatural powers that are waged against me. And listen, friend, uh, Paul said, I live, I'm dead, but yet I'm alive. And yet it's no more I that live, but it's Christ that liveth in me. When you come to Jesus and repent of your sins, Christ comes to abide within you. The Holy Spirit comes to abide within you. And God the Father comes to abide within you. Amen. And we are promised that we can partake of the divine nature that is now imparted to us according to the scripture, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you may 
be partakers of the divine nature. Hallelujah. Amen. That's when God's nature begins to be uh, uh, manifest in us and through us that we live godly lives instead of living like the culture around us and living like the old person we were before we came to know Christ as our Savior. So in a sense, I can't live the Christian life. You can't live the Christian life. But when God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, I guarantee you, if we put our trust in Jesus, He can live His life through us. And that's called the fruit or the product of the Holy Spirit. It's the reproduction of the character and the nature of Jesus in every child of God. Amen. Well, having said that, we're going to talk about living this new life in Jesus Christ today once again. It is so important that we understand that to walk in the newness of life is to live according to the new nature within, <laughs> to listen to Jesus' words and and commit ourselves to follow him in obedience, free from Satan's influence. Praise God. Listen to Ephesians chapter uh, 4 and verse 17, 18, and 19. You see, what we're doing here is comparing the old life that we were living to the new life that we could be and should be living in Jesus Christ. Listen to the old life. This I say, therefore, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth from this day forward walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. This is the 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 portrait of of those who have not come to Jesus and come into God's kingdom and, and have the king come to live within them. We, we actually are bound to do these things, to be led away of our own lust and enticed. Listen to Ephesians 2, how the change is supposed to come when he gives his life and imparts his life to us who were dead in trespasses and sins. Listen, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. It says, And you hath he quickened, which means given life, spiritual life, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And because of that, we were destined 
for destruction, because we were by nature the children of wrath. Look at verse two and verse chapter two and verse three again. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. What could be worse? What's worse than all of this is that we could get to the end of our lives here on earth and find out that we are condemned. We are condemned to punishment and banishment from and by a holy God. Paul is telling us what God thinks of our condition. You are in my condition without His grace and His forgiveness. You have lived in your sins and trespasses. You have rebelled against a holy God. He is obligated, therefore, to punish all lawbreakers, and He intends to do it. The punishment, because of His holiness and the gravity of our rebellion, is eternal wrath. We are told this is steadily burning indignation of a holy God toward a rebel. It is deliberate and it is deserved. You see, wrath is not God having a temper tantrum, God flying off the handle. It is justifiable anger. It is righteous, not like our wrath. This wrath is the just sentence against a sinful people and a sinful person. But listen, God, who is obligated to judge, has sent His Son so that Jesus could go to the cross and our sin could be punished in Him so that the wrath of God that should be poured upon us is poured upon Him instead. He becomes the very Lamb of God. And because He becomes the Lamb of God, His shed blood becomes a sacrifice for our sins. But only if we repent of our sin and receive that blood atonement. You see, Jesus supplies the blood necessary to atone for our sins. But we've got to apply the blood. Remember the principle in the Old Testament when God is passing through Egypt, the death angel is going to to destroy the firstborn of every family to soften Pharaoh's heart and to get the people to want these slaves of theirs to leave, to go, to let them go. The message was, let my people go. And this was going to be the last uh, judgment on Egypt for trying to continue to hold them in captivity. But that death angel was passing through all the land. And God's covenant people were told to take a lamb without spot or blemish, to slay that lamb, to take the blood and put it on the doorpost of their homes and and to boil the, the the meat and to eat the meat of the lamb and to do it with their staves in their hand, to do it with a readiness to walk out of Egypt because this sacrifice would be the sacrifice that would set them free from Egypt's bondage. Amen. The lamb supplied the blood. It was a type of Jesus Christ supplying the blood necessary for the sacrificial offering on the cross, the lamb of God. Oh, friend, 
but they had to, by faith, apply the blood. And friend, today, when you repent of your sin and I repent of my sin and receive Jesus as my Savior, that blood that He supplied is now applied to my life. Hallelujah. Praise God. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is atoning, sacrificial blood. And when we proclaim and plead the blood of Jesus, all that Christ has done in our behalf through His sacrifice is available to you and available to me. Praise God. Listen to this. Without the blood of Jesus, there will be no plea bargaining. We all know that in courts today, there's always the possibility of a plea bargain. Listen, there is no plea bargaining with God. There is no appeal. There's no way that you can work out a deal for a lighter sentence. None of that. It is straight, sharp justice. The place where these folks will end up is called hell. It is what we deserve. It is what I deserve. But when God puts His stethoscope on our soul and diagnoses us, He sees that we are spiritually dead that we are absolutely supernaturally driven by evil, personally enslaved, and we are supremely condemned. His diagnosis is very different from the way we want to diagnose ourselves. It's not pleasant, it's not good news, but it is exactly what God says. And that's why grace and mercy should be something that we run to receive. We need to run to God for this forgiveness, for this pardon, for this blood atonement that Jesus has offered in our behalf. Amen. We were, as the Scripture declares, without God and without hope in the world. That is what being lost means. But if you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior... We are no longer in that terrible condition. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. Hallelujah. Even when he saw us in that condition, even when in his holiness, his wrath burned toward us, he loved us so much that in spite of our sin, he sent a savior and he punished him in our behalf so that we could apply the blood of Jesus to our life and have eternal life and have a reconciled relationship with God because of the grace and mercy that is offered to us because of the blood of Jesus. You see, neither the heinousness of our sin nor the hatefulness of our heart could keep God from loving us enough to send His Son to die for us, to deliver us, and to save us. 
Oh, friend, I came up through the 50s, I said recently in our congregation, because sometimes I get nostalgic. I'm going to be 71, and I like to look back to those days when I was dating my wife, who we're getting ready next next uh, next time that we celebrate our anniversary. I believe it's 55 years. <laughs> Hallelujah. We've been married a long, long time. If you do the math, you see that I was 16 years old. Uh, And I can tell you my wife is two years younger than me. So we married at 16 and 14. We came to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior early in our marriage, or it would have never made it. It would have never survived. We were parenting children when we were still children ourselves, and we were doing it on our own. (laughs) Our family said, if you're going to do this, then you're on your own. And so we we were on our own, and times were tough. And I don't recommend this to anybody, but I'm going to tell you, when the pressure brought our marriage to the breaking point, just the responsibility of, 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 of being on our own, paying our own bills, making our own way, and taking care of a child, when we were at the breaking point, we both received Jesus as our Savior and our Sovereign. Hallelujah. And God made us one, and God put His blessing upon our life and our family. He forgave our sins, and to this very day, we are so blessed of the Lord. But when I consider the love of God, in, in, in spite of the sinfulness of men and women like you and me, I was hard hearted. I became bitter. And I won't go into the details why I became that rebel without a cause, but really with a cause. And I'm going to tell you right now, I was one of those. I wasn't just the black sheep of the family. I was one of the bad boys of the school. I went to our 50th reunion a few years ago, our 50th high school reunion, the class of 1965. And they asked me to read the obituary and to pray over the proceedings. And as I began to read of of the the people that we went to school with that are that are gone that are already passed away already uh, either with the lord or lost one or the other there's no two only two destinations and as i read that i i began to consider what people were seeing now as i was introduced as a pastor and i said you know everyone that knew me uh, from high school knew that i was one of the bad boys our and bad back then by the way wasn't nothing near what bad has is today what we thought was so awful <laughs> smoking in the in the bathroom and and uh, and and doing the 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 little things that we thought were so bad then but friend of mine everyone knew I was a rebel i rode the motorcycle i i had the black simulated leather jacket I, I carried the switchblade knife and the and and I I I got into some fights and I just I had this bad attitude but oh when Jesus came into my life everything changed you see that rebel heart with a cause without a cause you don't need a cause it is intrinsic 
to the fallen nature of man because the influence of the enemy was allowed into our world and he was a rebel in heaven. He rebelled against his creator. He rebelled against his king. He was, he was so, so absolutely uh, filled with rebellion that he wanted to take God's place and position. He did not want to bow to his own king and creator. Oh, friend of mine, that nature has come into our world and we are born into it. And that's why not, as, not only do we have the possibility, we have the promise that we can be born again. Hallelujah. We can be born from above. We can be reborn in, in, by the Holy Spirit in the, in the sense of our relationship with God and that relationship of God within us. You see, again, I'm going to say it, neither the heinousness of our sin nor the hatefulness of our heart could keep God from loving us enough to send His Son to die for us, to deliver us, and to save us from ourself, from our sin, and from Satan's desire to destroy us. You see, walking in the newness of life means living in the joy of our salvation. Every moment, no matter what happens between here and heaven, we are saved. God is with us here, and will, and we will live with Him there forever. Praise God. And He can change you, dear friend, from the inside out. Praise God. I told my 50th reunion class... Isn't it amazing what God can do to take the bad boy in high school that everyone knew as the rebel <laughs> and, and, and change him so radically that he could become a minister of the good news of Jesus, a pastor and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Someone came up after that, that reunion when we were dispersing and, and told me personally, you were the bad boy. Everyone knew you were the bad guy. Oh, but I'm so glad for what God has done in your life. Hallelujah. Praise God. The question I'm asking you today, has God's grace broken into your life? Have you experienced the change from death to life? Have you known new life in Christ? Have you said that all of your religious, have you said that all of your religious rights and all your religious duties and all of your morality mean nothing without the grace of God, the pardon of God, the forgiveness based on the shed blood of Jesus. Friend, you need to cast yourself on Jesus and on Jesus alone. When Christ went to the cross, the wrath you and I deserve fell on Him instead of you and instead of me. It was yours, but it fell on Him. Jesus did that because of His love for you. Jesus did that because of His love for me. 
Friend of mine, make no mistake about it today. Jesus was not a victim of Caesar's Rome and all of its power and authority. Do not see him as a victim of Caesar's Rome. He was not a victim of Pilate's authority as the governor. He had the authority to authorize his crucifixion, but Jesus went willingly to that cross, and he stayed willingly on that cross. Oh, friend of mine, this was no ordinary man with ordinary limitations hanging on that cross, though he died as an ordinary person would die. He died as a man forsaken of God because of sin, and he felt every pain and every pang of suffering during that six-hour ordeal. And every fiber of his being wanted to come off of that cross and have relief. But until the sin debt that we owed was paid in full, Jesus stayed on that cross. Until he cried, it is accomplished. It is finished. The sacrifice that God required for our sins and our sin debt to atone for those sins was paid in full for the wrath of God burned out in Jesus so that we could be delivered from the wrath to come. He did it out of love for his father also to complete his father's plan to bless you. He took your sin, died and rose again. Now he calls, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your soul. In Matthew 11 and verse 28, The resurrected one has taken care of your sins and said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one cometh unto the Father but through me, in John 14 and verse 6. So today, Jesus has paid your sin debt. Jesus has paid my sin debt. And today, you can have new life. And you can walk in that newness of life. That means progressively becoming more and more like him who calls you, him who saved you, him who sacrificed himself for you. And his character and his nature is called in scripture, the fruit of, or the product of the Holy Spirit's work within you and within me. And you can rest because you won't be trying to change your spiritually dead situation by yourself. You will receive forgiveness, and with that forgiveness and pardon, new life. Don't let this message go unheeded today. God is calling someone in this audience And you don't think you can ever change that old man, that old person, that old life. And you're right, you can't. But the Bible said the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. And Jesus has made it possible through his sacrifice 
for your sake on the cross. And today, if you will repent of your sin and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He will impart to you new life. His very resurrected life in you, resurrecting you spiritually first and assuring you that He's going to resurrect you physically when He comes. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I just want to talk to you personally in the closing moments of this broadcast. The scriptures are very clear. Jesus has supplied the blood that was necessary to atone for your sin. He did it at that hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull. He did it as he laid down his life like a lamb dumb before his shearers. He did it for you. He did it for me. He stayed on the cross until it was finished, it was accomplished. And today, because He supplied the blood, He calls to you, if you don't know Him as your Savior, to come and repent of your sin, receive Him as your Savior, and apply the blood by faith. <laughs> Hallelujah. And if you're a Christian today, He calls you and me to keep living out this new life and following Jesus by denying ourselves and taking up our cross and being an upstream Christian, no longer following the course of this world, being renewed in the spirit of our mind and being a witness to this great kingdom where Jesus reigns. Well, our time is gone. Would you come back next week and let's talk about Jesus? Jesus.